Welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the Snare Campaign Provocateur. And people say that he has a gubernatorial presence on the drum kit. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? <laughs> you never, you never found a G, huh? <laughs> nope, nope. I was trying. <laughs> Listen, if there's one thing I know, they'll never, they'll never. Wait, you think I'm the Jewish governor? Never gonna happen. In New I Jersey? could be mayor is somewhere. Mayor is somewhere. Maybe a uh, councilman. Councilman Horowitz. Any of that, Danny? Oh, I. There is no part of me ever that I think would ever want to involve myself in politics like that. Would you? I mean, look at me. Of course I do. I'm a. I'm a power hungry <laughs> son. No, just kidding. Is what? Is this what this is for? <laughs> Furious, the tune-up, building up the resume for your campaign for what? You've been living in Jersey City a while. You you looking for the mayorship? For uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm gonna challenge Philip. Unfortunately, I like you know check because I'm like trying to enter this race on Tuesday. I thought it was wow. kind of like a 5K. I could just like enter at the last minute, put on my little bib and go. Apparently, it requires some time, so not oh. this year. So I see that you're. Uh... Your your building of of bridges towards these connections are not working yet. That's right. But next hey, year, next year, yeah, you'll get them. It was always next year. Like I'm a New York Knicks fan. But what's up, dude? How's it going? Would you vote for me, Denny? Yeah, of course. How ridiculously bad would my platform have to be for you to not vote for me? When you're just like, all right, I can't do it. Um. Well, you got any scandals? <laughs> That would make I me mean, vote for you even more if you had like scandals that we dude, haven't done. <laughs> well, that here, that's one of the reasons that I could never even do it. And it's because of what you and I are doing right now. <laughs> Wait. Here's one thing I know about myself is I've always said the thing that like other people don't want to say. I don't sometimes have that filter from like ridiculous thought to mouth that other people have. And I've been being asked questions and interviewed on camera and audio for like the last like 15 years now. So the reason I can't run is because if somebody goes through all of that stuff, I mean, there's going to be some like there's going to be some flashpoints in there <laughs> to grab for fodder from my enemies. You know, I can't put myself out there like that. I, I'd get I'd get. There's no chance in the last 15 years I haven't said, listen, white people are ruining Earth. You know, like <laughs> and right you there, you, you put that on a, a conservative's uh, billboard poster with my face on it, with like the toothpick and the mustache. Oh, I'm toast. I don't want it. I don't want that heat. See, that's why Springsteen doing a podcast with Obama and you're doing a podcast with me. Springsteen right. trying to climb the political ladders and, you know, we're just kicking shit over here. No, you know what I'm all about, Danny? What are you all if about? I ever get anything involving excess, right? And that's not just money. That also means like power, influence, control, any of those things that people are hungry for. It is going back to the people. Oh. It's going back to my family, back to the people. I'm never going to feed the monster that way, you know? I promise you that. Well, we bring all of this up to say go vote Tuesday by the time you hear this and all, all of the stuff. Tuesday, Tuesday is Tuesday. election day. Okay. Voted Tuesday. early. Oh, my gosh. Was was just having a cup of coffee. Saw, hey, I can vote today. I went in and voted. So beautiful. I gotta, voting. This, this is one of those ones, Denny. I got to be honest. Yeah. I haven't looked at a platform, seen a speech. 
I haven't heard a word come out of either of these people's mouths, and I was a hundred percent certain who I was voting for months ago. <laughs> oh, you're not gonna vote for Jack, the return of JFK. I mean, there's not many Jacks I trust. <laughs> you know, Jack just Bauer. think of the name Jack, right? Jack Bauer, <laughs> Jack Dorsey, Antonoff. not so good. Wasn't Jack Clark racist? <laughs> uh, trying to think of Jacks oh, in Jack, sports. The only, the only one, the only one I like is Jack Terrycloth. <laughs> Rest in peace. Passed away last year. I would have voted for him. His father was the mayor of my town. But yeah, no, no Jack for me. I love how the, the, the whole campaign is like, I'm Jack, just because no one could say the fucking guy's last name either. <laughs> That's the funniest part. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, speaking of something that people can't quite pronounce or understand, let's get into this day in music history. Do, 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 do. Well, on this day in 1996, for the first time before Jason Kidd, one of my heroes disappointed me greatly. And that was when Axl Rose announced via fax that Slash is no longer a member of Guns N' Roses. It was a very terse and mercurial fax. Uh, In it, it said, big news. He reveals there will be no tour, videos, website, fan club, or merchandise. There will be a new Guns N' Roses 12-song minimum recording with three original B-sides, but Slash will not be involved in any new Guns N' Roses endeavors. That 12-song album he was announcing was The Chinese Democracy. Bear in mind, he announced this in 1996. That record did not see the light of day until 2008. Wow. And during that time, you know, Slash did Slash's Snake Pit with the other guys. Not great. But then did the Velvet Revolver with Scott Weiland, which ended up having a you know number one album and becoming like some pretty important rock and roll records. So, you know, I think you could make a case that Slash's guitar was like the real driving force behind Guns N' Roses in a lot of ways. And uh, musically, I think he proved that point as his career went on. But you should hear some of this background stuff, okay? When it all went wrong. Mm -hmm. Because in 91 is when, you know, Guns N' Roses were at peak of their power, Use Your Illusion tour. And it's like actually give these dudes any choice. And this is why I reference him to Jason Kidd. The the tour lasted two and a half years. Apparently, he insisted on grandiose treatment with lavish parties and amenities to rival the Rolling Stones, whom they opened for. But Axel didn't show up. When he did, he was late, apparently in, resulting in massive curfew fees, which I'm wondering if you're Axel Rose. You're finding yourself? Who, like <laughs> At that point in the band, who was controlling it to the point that he was taking curfew fees? And this is part and parcel to the story because he started threatening not showing up and abandoning the tour if they didn't sign the name over to him. Wow. So I'm wondering if that was like part of it now, you know, you hear this story, like maybe someone from like a management camp or like something like that was going too heavy handed. Maybe the other guys were supporting him. And this is what like drove Guns N' Roses apart. So pretty crazy story. Uh, But one of the most disappointing things in music history for me by 96, 
I was checked out of Guns N' Roses. I was a proper punk and hardcore kid. But in the early 90s, when this was going on, this was my band. It was like Guns N' Roses, Metallica. I had like a poster slash up in my room. So when I heard Axel and Slash were beefing, and my mom used to tell me Axel was a little bit of a prick, I was always in the Slash camp. And I can say now, since I have cracked said industry, and I know a couple people, that Slash totally, totally checks out as a human being as well. Oh, Nothing cool. but good things about that dude. I've been on a tour with him, keeps himself out in the open, very personable, family man. Whole deal. Slash is a real deal, dude. So I'm Slash all the way, baby. I can't imagine that guy's hat budget. Like, it just got to be insane. Like <laughs> I, I think it's like a hat and wig budget attached now. Oh, a wig no, budget. There's no way that's flowing this out is, of that hat anymore. You know, This, this is, is breaking time. news. I do you want... Ready. This is going to get aggregated. I hope you're ready. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying. This isn't... This, it's not factual information here, but I got to guess, you know, you, you seen a lot of guys in their, in their fifties with, with locks like that. No, I don't know. You would know better than most. All right, Fanny. Well, on this day in 2003, research in the U S found that songs that get stuck in our head are because they create a quote brain itch that can only be scratched by repeating a tune over and over songs such as the village people's ymca and the baja men's who let the dogs out owe their success for their ability to create a quote cognitive itch this according to the university of cincinnati's college of business administration so let me turn it back over to you benny what is the worst music brain itch you've ever had oh i mean (laughs) well the one that comes to mind because it's been very active in my house lately is Excuse me. (laughs) No? Wind of change? (laughs) That's been in my head since the Berlin Wall fell. (laughs) So So I think I'm going for that one. That's the biggest one. But I hear about, like, what is this article? Like, yeah, it causes a cognitive itch. Of course it does. I I don't want to know how many animals they tested on to come to this conclusion. Like, the conclusion you should be going for is what causes the cognitive itch. That's the secret sauce everyone's looking for. That's what made Rivers Cuomo lock himself in a dorm room for like a year, you know, like. (laughs) like trying to figure out the mathematical formula to the pop song. Like that's the secret sauce. If you're taking Baja men as the reference, then I, I discard this study. Oh, you discard it. So, so, but listen, if this came out in 2003, what like, honestly, probably if you went to like, not like, like hardcore college parties, but you know, if you were at like one put on by the university, they got who let the dogs out going like twice at least. 2003, Listen, you kidding me? I'm happy for those guys. I am. <laughs> I truly am. It's a great success story. Oh, the cognitive itch, the cognitive itch. Let's That's see. interesting. I called it. I was talking to my kids about it this morning. I called it an earworm. Yeah. Because my son's been, every once in a while, he comes up with a little melody where I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh. All right, dog. That's an earworm. Oh, we got to listen. He puts it. 
there, there are kids his, his age putting these tracks on TikTok and blowing up. So here you I go. I think he's a singer. Got, I'm getting the impression. Oh, really? He yeah, he likes he likes attention. Um, and you know it's interesting watching my son and my daughter play drums because my son's been playing since he was like tiny little baby. I've been putting sticks in his hands and like putting him behind a drum set. He's never tried to play a beat. Hmm. He's just a fucking basher. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he makes sounds, he gets around. And like my daughter already is like kind of constructing things. She seems like a little bit more of a technician and she's a little shyer. Mm. So I think we have a little band dynamic starting to form. Hey, listen, it worked for the Heim I'll family. Just play bass. No, I'll just like, here's what happened. I'll be back in the cut. You need one more, and then you've got like the New Jersey answer to Heim. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> well, all right. Well, get get the tune up signed to the big network, and I'll pop out another one. <laughs> the for big you. network. Okay. That we, oh my God. <laughs> all right, Benny. Well, speaking of people that have big contracts, Joe Buck. Mm-hmm. And Joe Buck caused a little bit of news. He, he's, he's got a massive contract. Joe Buck this week was on the Smartless podcast, and that features that Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, Sean Hayes, all people you love or, you know, fun, probably hate. Fun. And, yeah, they, they talked to the World Series broadcaster, the Pro Football Hall of Famer, and he told the story about the time he had to urinate while calling an NFL touchdown. Benny. Yeah. An in, in incredible story here. And I've got the quotes right in front of me. He says, quote, I have peed in a bottle while calling an NFL touchdown. I swear to God. I swear to God. I'm Joe Buck. Um, Buck said on the podcast, I was peeing in a trash can and they handed me a little water bottle. We came back from break and I was peeing and the action started. And I called the touchdown while urine was coming out of my body. Buck said this happened during the Packers-Falcons game at Milwaukee County Stadium in 1994. So, Benny, you played some long sets. Uh, you've been uh-huh. at music festivals, that whole thing, with no bathrooms in sight. Maybe you get a quick little break and you can run, but more than likely not. So here's my question to you. Have you ever peed in a bottle on stage? Uh, not on stage. But this is a nuanced question. Really my <laughs> sweet spot here. The perfect <laughs> mix of sports and music and disgusting stuff. We got to go back to Joe Buck. Yeah. First, because I have questions, even for you. Yeah. Have you been to this stadium? Uh, in no. Question. They've they've, okay. they've since knocked it down. But Okay, because I was wondering, like the old Yankee Stadium, there were some dark spots where it would take you a good 10, 15 minutes to take a piss. But. So I was, I was wondering if one of those old, you know, stadiums might have just had a troubling bathroom situation. And which it did. Which would have led to that, mm. you know? Um. Here's my other question about the incident is peeing in the trash can, peeing in the bottle to get back on Mike commendable. Like I honor you, sir, (laughs) for, for being that committed to your work and that committed to doing it. But like if you're on air, you're probably plugged in, meaning you don't have, too long of a distance to go so meaning like you're in a room with probably a lot of producers and your co-hosts it's not the peeing it's like your dick is in your hand yeah you know i so so i can't imagine that's i'm curious about the physical nature of this incident and how he was positioned in the room 
like was he in a you know a, a clear skybox type of thing where even from the outside like did he have to go in the corner and piss while he, you know it's interesting there's some elements to the, i have more questions yeah. joe so if you want to come on to the tune-up and actually dig into this we can i didn't like the way the article was written because they they had a line in there that was like uh but commercial breaks are timed surely buck could have timed his bathroom break with the commercial well, the article i sent to was the new york post i mean that's not I'm like, exactly surely but... the person who wrote this article knows nothing of these demands yeah. he was under okay so so yeah. Now, to go back to your question, uh, I have never peed in a bottle on stage because you kind of don't have to. I mean, if you're in a like venue itself, I have a great respect for the people who work on stages and I just wouldn't do that to them. You know what I mean? Like a bottle of piss is not something I'm trying to leave the buds who are working on stage at a venue. So. In those instances, I've made some mad dashes. That's a fact. Uh, there's been a couple times I've had to give the singer of my band like a heads up, being like, yo, if I just duck off stage, play an acoustic song because it means I'm shitting because <laughs> something hurts right now. Like that's happened, you know. Uh, but as far as peeing in bottles goes, here's where I'm a professional and I'll give you a little uh, a look behind the curtain of van touring okay now peeing in bottles is like it's not like an exception of van touring it is part of van touring because you know you're commuting every day and you're commuting with often like four plus people normally four five six seven people with all different bathroom demands And when you like get up in the morning and you start a drive, you don't want to stop before that first tank of gas, you know, like you got to get to these places. And some people are napping, some people are sleeping, like you cannot stop too often. So it quickly becomes part of the game that you figure out a way to piss in a bottle. Sometimes I used to even do it. I would make a drink choice. You know, I'd be like, oh, am I going to get this iced tea? You know what? I'm going to get this vitamin water. Wide bottle. (laughs) Easy to piss in on the road. You know what I mean? Uh, When you go for like the little tiny ones, it takes a real pro. I can do it now with mostly not a spill. I'd say the most pro thing I've done in this regard is I have definitely pissed in bottles while driving. Um, So I think that's probably where I'd where I'd uh, say I'm. I don't know, maybe like an all-star. <laughs> I don't say at Hall of Fame. I won't say Hall of Fame touring guy, but that'll put me on like a couple all-NBA teams, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, but Gatorade bottle, vitamin mm. water, usually the best to try to stick your penis in. Um, <laughs> but as I've gotten older in, in touring in life, I just want people to stop now and let's leave enough time to make sure everyone can stop any and shit and piss <laughs> right. if they have to. Uh, that's why these days I love if there's a woman on tour because then it just takes away all that stuff. You know, you, you don't have to smell a row of like 15 piss bottles when you leave the van when there's a woman on tour. So that's always a nice element to have around. 
Well, that's a masterclass. Um, you know, there's probably some <laughs> some some kid that was like interested in playing a guitar. He plays with his friends, and then he just listened to this and is like, "Do I want to be pissing in bottles for 15 years?" And the answer is yes, because then one day you'll get to host a podcast and you get to talk about the piss in the bottle. So. Yeah. Then eventually you get the piss on a bus, where the pee just sits there for. <laughs> For weeks on weeks, it also smells like <laughs> shit. It's nothing nice about it, kids. Go to college. But let me also tell you from the sports media end of this thing. So, yeah. 1994, a big reason why they're, they've been re- replacing these things is a difference in what a press box is from 94 to now. Like, mm. 94, guarantee that press box is like your local high school. Um, <laughs> Milwaukee right. County Stadium was essentially where the Braves played, then the Brewers came in so very historic venue but not exactly equipped for uh the early internet age uh definitely there definitely wasn't a media dining room there i can tell you that a hundred percent so yeah. now these things are you know uh bob Uecker has his own bathroom at miller park uh to kind of <laughs> alleviate these problems but uh the the length of your break um you don't have very much time uh football you have a little bit more time because that's hence the reason why uh halftime is so long because everybody working to get your broadcast out there at some point they're gonna have to go to the bathroom um yeah and all those guys they're all pumped full of cortisol that's you know, right they have to fucking take a <laughs> shit by halftime <laughs> i love that in the nba when you see a guy walk off and you're like, oh, why is he walking off right now? And then you come back, and after the game, they're like, oh, uh, uh, thigh cramp or like something like that. I had to go get stretched out. I'm like, shut the <laughs> fuck up. He's like, no, like, you had to yeah, pee. He, he had a pasta <laughs> dinner a little too close to game time today. You know? Too much coffee. Yeah, too much coffee. All right, Benny. We've talked about the basketball. We've talked about the broadcast. But let's get down to business. Let's, let's get down to the stuff that America cares about officiating the nba <laughs> this past off season announced it would be officiating the game in a different way moving forward uh, essentially the league wanted to cut down on players baiting referees into foul calls whether that be on the shot or on the dribble um and what we've seen the first few games this season a return of hand checking and a decline in flopping so benny do you like the nba listening to fans because as i take these phone calls on, on the radio this is the number one thing uh, the you know your average fan that's dri- driving around, they don't want the flopping and they don't want a three-point play to turn into a four-point play just because somebody fell correctly. Yeah, I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Even though, as we're going to discuss in a little bit, I think it's affecting my guy probably more than anyone <laughs> in the league. But, you know, the rule is simple. It's It's anything that's an abnormal launch angle is what's not being officiated anymore. And thank goodness for that. I got really tired of the guys bouncing around defenders, guys in good defensive position with their hands up, just, you know, you know, getting run into by your Trey Youngs and your Hardens and, you know, and a slew of young players who are coming into the league. Like that's, that's the thing that I'm happy the NBA intervened because, you know, there's a few guys who really know how to, you know, work the system now, but everybody coming up is going to start emulating that. So you needed to, to clip this. And I think the rule is really strong and watching a bunch of guys get hung up in the air and uh, not get bailed out. I love it. I love to see it. And before you know it, um, 
you know, the same way they did take away like elements of flopping and stuff. Like after a couple weeks, people are going to stop getting these calls and they're going to stop looking for those plays. So I think it's working and I think it's good and I'm happy about it. I'm also happy about the other rule change uh, not being discussed as much, which is um, that coaches need to prompt a uh, out of bounds review after two minutes now instead of the referees which I think is speeding up the game a little bit towards the end. Um, that was something really getting on my nerves last season was this just excessive replaying going on in the last couple minutes. So as usual, the NBA is, um, you know, focused in on its problems, listening to its fans and, and actually doing something about it. Yeah, we had, uh, we had Dwayne Casey, uh, the coach of uh, the Pistons on the radio uh last month at this point and he's on the competition committee the committee that was in charge of you know overseeing the the coaches challenge stuff and uh they thought it was really important for it to still exist but being able to cut it down and make it more of a uh collaborative effort between everybody involved in the game and not just like the coach would be like you screwed my team over or even worse than that, having Secaucus call down and like the green light yeah, flashes right. and it just disrupts everybody. Officiating is, is all about the flow of, of the game on the court. So it disrupts the officials, it disrupts the players, and it disrupts the coaches. So they kind of tried to figure out the best way to go about it. And I think w- what we're seeing thus far, it's working. But honestly, we haven't had like any like big time games yet where this has mattered. So we'll see. But uh, to get to the, the, the hand checking and stuff like that. I like it. I think it's going to reward the good defensive teams, like the fundamentally good defensive teams, like the Heat, the Bucks. Uh, let's see who else. Teams that uh, you know do great team defending. I think that having this ability is going to make it a lot better. Yeah, yeah, definitely going to have. And Miami might be the uh, the real poster children for that this year because they play such a physical brand of defense and now with this they'll be able to really really lock teams down kind of like early 90s style you know this rule just extended pj tucker's career by two years it maybe yeah maybe all right benny well let's get to your guy shall we let's get to james harden uh brooklyn nets at least it's not oh I'm not going to say his name. Oh, Never yeah, mind. yeah. You almost did it. I didn't zero, zero texts about. He who may not be <laughs> yeah, said. That's right. He, he's yeah. Voldemort out here in these streets. Yeah. Um, Brooklyn Nets guard James Harden said he is uh, regaining his confidence, but that his offensive game is limited right now as he makes his way back after an offseason and rehabbing his hamstring injury, which, by the way, a hamstring injury should not take three to four months to rehab, but... I digress. That's a whole other topic. The 2017-2018 MVP has scored 15 or fewer points in three straight games for the first time since the 2011-2012 season. Harden said after their game against the Miami Heat that um, I'm just getting more confident, being more aggressive. Uh, Harden said this after shooting 4 for 12, uh, and it's just getting better every single game. As much as I want to get back to you know scoring 30, 40 points, I can't do that right now. As much as I want to, obviously, I would love to. So... <sighs> Do the Nets have a long-term Harden problem here? Because Harden was supposed to be the solution while he who should not be named is out for a while. So are the Nets going to become a one-man band if Harden can't get his act together? Well, I mean, it's definitely too early to make that declaration, Mm. right? So I'm not, after this many games, I'm not going to go ahead and say that this Hall of Fame caliber player is like, 
officially done and now it's a one-man band like that's jumping the gun uh it's a little scary for me since i went real heavy on james harden stock during a bunch of my fantasy basketball drafts so you know especially my salary cap league i'm sitting there with a 44 million dollar james harden right now i could go out in the waiver wire and grab a bam out of bio and alonzo ball for the same price you know like yeesh um but I think there's a little bit of a perfect storm. And again, that's why I want to leave it some wiggle room. We have the new roster. We have no Kyrie. Um, We have the rule changes, which like, like it or not, Harden was the master of basically abusing exactly. This rule was almost for him. You know what I mean? Like it was basically for him and Trey Young and So you have to take that into account. And I've seen him. I mean, uh, this last game, uh, I saw him get hung up in the air three, four times in a way that he used to muscle through or um, or get bailed out with the call. You know, he only got to the line three times last game. So I'm not willing to check it out. But here's what's concerning to me is like. This is a quote he had in the same article, right, was. I had no opportunities to play pickup or nothing this summer. Everything was rehab for three months from a grade two injury that happened three times in one season. So this is my fifth game trying to just play with competition against somebody else. And as much as I want to rush the process and be back to hooping and killing, I have to take your time. That's like a pretty scary sentiment to me that like you spent the summer rehabbing not able to go against competition and you're going to continue your rehab by playing professional basketball like it seems like if this injury is carrying over into the season and he's already slowed down by it why am i to believe like him ramping up activity through the course of the season is gonna fix this injury you know what i mean um so that's kind of concerning to me the idea that like is he going to be permanently slowed down for the season or is he going to have to miss significant time to actually heal from this injury and get ready for the playoffs? So, like I said, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I am, and I am a little concerned, you know, just watching him play too. You know, you see, you know, the reason the three point shot and the, the hiccups and the pump fakes were always so effective with Harden is because, you know, he's so good at getting to the rim and has a left hand and a right hand floater game. That's almost unstoppable. And he's not getting to those spots right now. He's not getting past the first line of defense and he's not getting to that spot where he can work in the paint at all. So until that happens, his perimeter game is not a threat with, uh, especially with the new rules in place. So, I believe that he's a little injured, and I am concerned about that part of it. Yeah, you don't want to body shame anybody, right? But James Harden has almost kind of been out of shape for almost a year now. I mean, we're almost at a year ago when he was trying to force his way out of Houston um, by, like, you know, showing up not in shape. And I think what we're finding is that James Harden is realizing, hey, I'm not 28 anymore. You know, it, it, it's got to be my, my body is my business. And we saw someone like like LeBron come back at arguably in the best shape of his, his life. And sure, you can't play your way back into shape, but there's other things that you, that you can do to make yourself more athletic. Like you have 
You have all the resources at your disposal. So, yes, his game's going to change as he gets older, right? He's not going to be able to uh, uh, be as, as dynamic or as athletic, but he's got the wisdom. He's got the basketball IQ yeah. um, to kind of make this work. My only thing here is, you know, with James, it, it, it's always been, you know, he's, he's relied. I mean, part of the way he became an MVP candidate was because of that rule. That, that, that we, we were just talking about. So if he doesn't have that, you know, like five, six times a game, that was already cutting into what he was going to score. So and then to, you know, take away the other thing the and the athleticism and stuff like that. I think that this de- that this diminished production, it's kind of a result of a lot of things coming together. Yeah. And I mean, but to, to, to put a silver lining on what you're talking about is like, you know, the same thing you just mentioned about Harden's acumen and intelligence as a player leads me to believe like he's going to figure out a rule change. Um, Like, I don't think that's going to debilitate his career. Uh, And, you know, the one thing we should consider is the fact that, you know, James Harden's gotten through a lot of regular seasons. I think he's well under the assumption with Kevin Durant and himself that they're you know, going to be firmly in a top six playoff spot. And, you know, maybe this is like a real plan to acclimate himself to full-time play and, and be prepared for the playoffs. Like, uh, you know, these guys know what they're doing and they know their bodies too. So, you know, I can't sit in this seat and just say, ah, he's fat. He's messing up his hamstring. Like, you know, maybe, maybe the plan works and maybe he's healthy this postseason because, that's what he really needs on his resume to, you know, to be locked into all-time status. To kind of bring it back to your nets, I'm not sure, it, like, they had a plan, but everyone's got a plan until they get hit in the mouth, right? And I think you're kind of seeing the aftermath of this. I'm pretty sure that the nets did not assume that he who should not be named was not going to take the route that he did. Uh, they, they definitely weren't expecting this hardened uh, hamstring to linger. And then you got KD looking around like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm gonna have to rely on uh, Lamarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin here. So, listen, it's early, like, they, and 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 this is the big thing with all of the basketball stuff. Very short sample size. I'm totally open to revisiting this conversation after 20 games and as we get closer to Christmas. I feel if things haven't got, gotten better by then, then we may have a be have a little bit more cause for concern. Yeah, we'll throw up flags then. Yeah. yeah. But we would not be doing our job if we didn't freak out a little bit or, or, or at least be a meteorologist and point out that the sky may be falling in certain places in the NBA. And no, I'm not talk, talking about climate change in Los Angeles. I'm talking about Russell, the Los Angeles Westbrook's Lakers. Fans. Oh, my goodness. Did you see this game the other night? Uh, the Lakers-Thunder game. You got Westbrook going back to OKC thinking that he's a golden god. But the Lakers put on an embarrassing showing in Oklahoma City on Wednesday. I mean, this was this was crazy. The end of this game was wild. Um, after taking a commanding lead early on, the defense fell apart and the offense failed to get it going when it mattered most. Um, even with Oklahoma City doing everything down the stretch to throw the game away, and I mean they did everything, the likes of uh, Carmelo Anthony, Malik Monk, none of these guys could hit a bucket to tie up, up the game. 
if you're a Laker hater, it was your absolute dream. If, if you're a Laker fan, you're like, this team is going to be the death of me. But the Lakers, early on, losing, they're not healthy. Let's put that caveat in there. They're not healthy. But uh, even if you're not healthy, that team should not be dropping games to the uh, tanking Oklahoma City Thunder. So, Benny, what do you what do you make of what's going on in Lakerland right now? Is it just a, a case of, you know, they're playing chestnut checkers, or is there something deeper at play? Well, like you said, I, I mean, tough to say, but you watch a game like last night, you know, I flick on the box score early on, and I believe I saw a score of like 40 to 19. And Westbrook had like, you know, eight, six, and six in the first quarter or something. I'm like, ah, okay, here we go. Just a cruise game, you know, like, don't worry about it. Easy. And then around the third quarter, I finished something up and I look back and I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> Why is this game tied? And, you know, I was expecting uh, a team like, you know, as preseason uh predicted lakers you know to go so far you can't squander 20 point leads to the thunder you like do you see the team that these guys are throwing out there you know shay's a nice player but like come on gents like that's a bad <laughs> look um particularly on the same night that the uh wizards looked pretty dang good with with kuzma and kcp and harrell all playing significant parts in a in a fairly nice win last night for the wizards like you know as you said this is kind of like the climax of where lakers haters could be the most happy you know like the whole experiment looks like it's falling apart at the seams right before our very eyes um that being said there is no lebron no horton tucker no kendrick nunn no ariza who they were you know, I don't know if that was a good thing, but they were really relying on Ariza for for wing defense. They're seeing a lot of minutes from like Monk and DeAndre and this young Austin Reeves uh, looking to fill the fan favorite Alex Caruso role, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get some white guy jerseys out there. You know, you know, the fans need it. So we got to give Austin Reeves some minutes. But, you know, like this isn't a lineup they expected to be throwing out there. Um it's not a very good lineup with the, you know, a few preseason were like, oh, we have a team with Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis. Like, do you think that team is a playoff team in the West? Probably not. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, again, I'm not willing to throw up the flag uh, so early because of all the things we just said, but it's an old team. You know, we've all been waiting for LeBron to to miss more and more games and miss more and more time and maybe – this is the falling off point. And it's like, you know, the Russell Westbrook show is doing exactly what every Russell Westbrook haters said it would do early on. I mean, he had already had the quadruple double with fucking turnovers like it. So, you know, it, it doesn't look good. The optics aren't good, but uh, it's LeBron James and AD. And it goes back to the same thing I've been saying for like a year and a half. If those two are right and on the floor together, the Lakers are as good as anyone. That's yeah. just how it goes. I think they're going to benefit from a Western Conference that's kind of banged up. The Western Conference, yeah, you know, there's right. a, you know, Denver, you know, Jokic who uncharacteristically got hurt, and it's funny he got athletic. He got or as athletic yeah. as Jokic can get. Should have kept that meat right, on. Exactly. Did you learn from Tyson Fury? <laughs> keep, keep a little of that meat on, boy. Right. So you know, and the Western Conference, a hundred percent up for grabs. Uh. 
Phoenix kind of struggling a, a little bit early on. Yeah. So arguably out there, the team that is most exciting and they're going to fade as the season goes on, but the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, and I, I think that there's a bunch of those teams around the league, especially in, in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I mean, you have Chicago is exciting. They're off to their best start in a while. I, I texted you about this earlier in the week. I love the Washington Wizards. I'm, I'm as bullish about the Washington Wizards this year as you were last year. I love Beal with this supporting cast. I think that they can make make some noise. So, um, you, didn't, I, you didn't mention my guys this year who I just love. Who do you love? I, I mean, you might see me in a Cleveland Cavaliers oh. jersey soon. I mean, I love Mobley. You know my boy the Fro is there. Jared Allen, big ups. Uh, Sexton's still putting up despite what everyone says about him. Garland looks like a point guard. Mm. Okoro is like a real rotational, you know, 3 and D type of piece. They could compete for a play. Kevin, Kevin Love is actually playing into being a maybe tradable contract. <laughs> I don't know, you know, like at some point but i don't know that team is fun and they got a bunch of towers and they defend like i really like the Cavs. my uh early early uh what does bill simmons call it like irrationally favorite oh yeah yeah yeah. the east is is so fun um but kind of going back to the t wolves they're they're very cyclical i feel like every year we're like oh could this be the year that they compete and then they fade all off in january Chris Finch seems to have a, a, it going there. So a bunch of sleepers from around the league. Do um, the T-Wolves have – do they have – will you call that a big three? Are you comfortable saying that? I I am comfortable saying that I think by the end of the year it is going to be Anthony Edwards' team and not Carl a- Anthony Towns' team. That's not team. what I asked. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I asked. Oh, I've, I've been around too many media people. Do they have a, a, a big three? No. No, probably not. But not they not. have two superstars, at least. Anthony Edwards and Kat, two superstars. D'Angelo? Eh. Yeah, and give credit to Kat this year. I mean, he looks looks really engaged and bought in on the whole thing. Like, uh, he looks different than he has in previous years. A little more, a little more gusto. Maybe... Uh, Having a good start like this will do something different for the guy, you know? I mean, we forget. I think he's one of those afterthoughts in the NBA, but, like, he's still one of those guys. It feels like he's been around for, like, 10 years. He's still really young, and he's still got that kind of, like, generational talent sort of thing. Like, you know, there's a chance Carl Towns still puts it together, you know? Can I tell you what I'm least excited for with the Minnesota Timberwolves, and we're seeing it start already? No. Did you see A-Rod the other day uh, tweeting out videos of him shooting a basketball and tagging the T-Wolves? It's like, dude, if you want a 10-day, just give yourself a 10-day. Though, How did he look? How did the shot look? I mean, he looked like me, like which, oh. which, which, which isn't say. But you know what's interesting, though? On, on that front, a bit of news. We had uh, John Krasinski from The Athletic on the radio over the weekend. A-Rod and Lori still haven't paid Glenn Taylor the money. So oh. Oh. that's... That's unusual, so we'll stay tuned saucy. there. Saucy, saucy. All right, well, speaking of sauce, oh, we had so much sauce last week in NFL picks. It's that time of the program where we do our best to handicap the week, uh, pour on the marinara, try to look our best. Benny had a great week last week. He went 8-4. and four. Uh, The Giants for you last week. 
I, I, I was laughing during that entire game because I was like, <laughs> of course, of course, this would come to an end for me. I went uh, six and six, though. Nothing to sneeze at. Circling around 500 on the season. Benny is 44 and 41. I'm at 42 and 43. So still neck and neck. But with that said, let's get into our week eight lines. All right, going to Sunday, we have a divisional rivalry. Steelers at Browns. Uh, Browns minus three and a half. Benny, what do you like? Uh, I like the uh, Browns in this one. I, I, I don't think the Steelers look good. Um, and uh, I like the, the Browns to bounce back, get to four and three. Yeah, I like that too. Browns number two in pressuring the opposing quarterback in the league. Um, and anytime this season where Big Ben has not had, had time to throw, he just looks like he shouldn't even be in the league. So, yeah, give me the Browns there. All right, next up, we have the Eagles at Detroit. Eagles minus three and a half. Benny, what do you like here? Yeah, I hate doing it. <laughs> but I think the Eagles pull this one out, the ugly Eagles, uh, just because they're running into, like, a team that's just so banged up. You know, like, I think the uh, Lions are down to, I think, what was their preseason, like, sixth <laughs> wide receiver on the depth chart or something like that. And they already are a little limited in that capacity. So I like the Eagles to go in there and bounce them. I think the half point here is is where the big bone of contention is is for me. I'm going to try to give myself some coverage here. Uh, give me Detroit plus three and a half. So even if the Eagles win by a point, I'm still looking bright. Um, all right, let's move down south a little bit. Panthers at Falcons. Falcons minus three. Benny, what do you like? I don't know. I don't know what's going on with this Panthers team. They're funky, bad things. Until McCaffrey gets back, I just have no idea. Uh, I kind of like the Falcons to stay on a little mini, little mini roll here. Yeah, you know, the, the there's a couple teams during this that have bitten me repeatedly. I think the Panthers are one of them. I was high on them a couple weeks ago. Me uh, too. Um, but Matt Ryan, last three games, 10 touchdown passes. So give me Falcons minus three here. All right, moving on. We have a, oh, speaking of teams that have screwed me repeatedly, both of these teams are on my shit list. 49ers at Bears, 49ers minus three. Benny, what do you like? I kind of like the Bears to eke this one out. Like the 49ers offense is just so, so funky. That Bears defense is spunky. Um, you know, 49ers still no Kittle, no Trent Williams. Uh, yeah, I like the Bears to kind of squeak this out, especially after the narrative of last week with, you know, oh, Fields just getting beat up, blah, blah, blah. I like them to, to do it. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bears as well. What is the cure for a young quarterback trying to find his feet in this league? A bad pass defense. 49ers have one of the worst in the league. Look for Fields to gain some confidence. So give me Chicago. Chicago. As a, Chicago. That, that's I how, heard that. That's how you can, yeah. that's how you can tell that, that I spent some time in the Midwest. Oh, <laughs> my Lord. Um, all right. Let's uh, – oh, boy. This is, this is the fun game every week. Rams at Texans. Benny, Rams minus 14 and a half. Are you buying that half point? Benny, what do you no, like here? <laughs> no, it's Rams all the way. Like, <laughs> they, they, might, they might win by 28 and a half. No, I don't like, I don't like Houston at all. Uh, it's another Rams cakewalk. One of these weeks, this is going to bite us. This not is yet. not that week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's keep the one o'clock games going here. We have Bengals at Jets. 
Bengals minus nine and a half, and that line is rising also. Yeah. I'm sticking with the Bengals, too. They're rolling. Burrow's just uh, cruising along. I don't think Jets have a chance. They're going to be down early. So, yeah, I like I like Bengals. Originally, I wrote down the Jets because I was like, you know what? Jo- Joey Burrows has been nice. The Bengals have been nice. But that 9.5 scares me. I'm going to look danger right in the face and be like, not today. Give me the Bengals minus 9.5. Yeah, that, that, Cincy, that Cincy defense is um, <laughs> it's nice. They're quick. Yeah, they're quick. Very quick. I think that Zach Wilson's Plus, back out there. He's, you know, he throws a couple geese, that kid. And also, the Benny, do you know who the Jets are going to be quarterback by this weekend? Who do we got? Joe Mike Flacco. Flacco. <laughs> oh, we're back to play. Oh, I saw that. Oh, Joey Flax. Oh, Joey man. Flax. We got another big, big line here. Dolphins at Buffalo Bills. Divisional matchup. Bills minus 14. Benny, what do you like here? Yeah, I think Bills keep cruising. I'm not about to put my money on the Dolphins right now. Uh, see, I like I like another big win for the Bills. Tua looks solid enough last week. Um, you know, the Bills were kind of humbled a little bit. But I don't know, man. It's the 14 number for me. You can see on my paper, I have Miami written down. The number's too big, but you want to know something. And how many times do I got to say it on here? Nobody circles the wagons and nobody goes into Orchard Park and pushes the Buffalo Bills around. They do the fucking uh, Buffalo Bills minus 14 here. <laughs> Titans at Colts. Colts minus one and a half. Virtual pick on Benny. What do you like here? That's a tough one. Maybe the toughest one of the week for me just because, um, you know, Colts have looked better. Um, usually I don't think the Titans beat them twice in a you know in a season matchup so you know like you said i think it's a pick them they have a good run defense but like as you often say what's the antidote to a good run defense is derrick henry he's an animal i'm not going against him yet i think the titans pull out a close game maybe win by a field goal and cover the spread yeah, I'm going to go with the Titans plus one and a half as well. I mean, you got like a Derrick Henry, a MVP candidate as a dog. Give me that every time, especially against a team like Indianapolis. So every time, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. All right, Jags at Seattle. Another game of NFL mm-hmm. mediocrity coming to you at 4.05. Um, numbers <laughs> dropped a little bit. Seahawks minus three. Benny, what do you like here? Uh, it's, a, it's a tough one this you know i uh, <laughs> it's gonna be an ugly game ugly ball game but i kind of have a funky feeling about you know I, I think this is the time when like in the next two three weeks trevor lawrence is gonna the conversation is gonna shift and we're gonna be like oh okay that's the reason that dude was like number one and i think he's gonna have a couple really strong games and i think this one is sort of primed for that because of the matchup and the quarterback matchup and all that. So I'm actually going Jags here. It's funny enough. I I was scared to write down Jacksonville on the pad, but the plus three gives me more coverage. And in these sloppy games, I want all the protection I can get. Give me Jacksonville plus three here. All right. Keeping it at 405 on the 405 Pat Patriots at chargers. Benny, what do you like? 
<laughs> I like the Patriots. I don't want to. I, I'm rooting for the Chargers in this game for a number of reasons, but Belichick's like the, you know, the reverse quarterback whisperer. You know, he's like a fucking horror movie to these guys. Um, I think he's gonna figure out a way to, to shut Herbert down. Um, and I like their chances to score a little bit of points and get a run game going. So yeah, I, I like the Pats. I'm afraid. I went against the Chargers when they hosted Tommy a couple weeks ago. Not going to do it. That line has also dropped since we've been talking. It's Chargers minus five. Give me that. All right. All right. 425, Washington football team at Denver Broncos. Another game where you're just like, who the heck knows? Roll the dice. See what happens. Uh, Broncos minus three. Benny, what do you like here? No, like you said, no one. It's uh, <laughs> a close one. But uh, I don't know. Just the one thing when I'm in a pick em scenario, I start to think to go to things that aren't football. Right. <laughs> and if there's one team that is annoyed and despondent and not as into their jobs this week as the other, it's the Washington football <laughs> team. So for that very reason, I will go for the Broncos, maybe the return of Jerry Judy gives him a little life. <laughs> no team has allowed more passing yards or points uh, than the Washington football team this season. However, I you know I've, I've I've tried to go with Denver a bunch of times. It's bit me in the butt. the The theme for my picks this week, Benny, is protection. Give me all the protection. Ooh. Washington football team plus three. Protection. Buccaneers minus four and a half at New Orleans, four twenty-five game. Benny, what do you like here? Yeah, I like the Bucks. Yeah, um, kind of boring, but I don't think this is the team to stop the roll. And uh, yeah, easy one for me. I think this is Bucks. The TB12 method goes into New Orleans, skips all of the sodium in that Creole food, and comes out with a W. Give me Tommy and mm-hmm. Tampa minus four and a half. All right. Sunday night football. We we've been waiting all week for Sunday night, and so have you. And this line looks nice. Cowboys minus two and a half at the Vikings. Benny, what do you like here? I, I kind of yeah, like the Vikings. You, I like you, you know a little bit of a a cushion with the line, and um, I kind of have a feeling like you know Zimmer throws some some funky some funky defense their way and kind of can slow the Cowboys down just enough. Yeah. I kind of, I got a feeling about the Vikings this week. Oh, you know, I've, 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 I've been preaching protection all week. Let me get a little sugar up in here. Give me Dallas minus two and a half. There you go. All right. Monday night football. We saved the best for last, especially from, from the tune up perspective. Giants at chiefs, Kansas city minus 10. Benny, what do you like? (laughs) So, uh, don't make me do it. I like the, I can't, if you, hey, this is my birthday too, by the way. Oh, this is on my birthday there we go. Game, and I am going to just put something out there, like into the universe on my birthday. And it's going to be this game and it's going to be a Giants win. We're getting Sterling Shepard. We're getting uh, Tony. All the boys are coming back. I think Barkley's coming back. Chiefs are on a slide. So for the sake of this segment and betting, I do think the Giants will cover the spread. As far as a win goes, 
I mean, if the Giants win this game, the conversations about the Chiefs are are flipped completely around. This is no longer uh, a team who's just struggling to figure it out. This is a team that has a problem and is probably not going to make the playoffs. So it's hard to – I do think the Chiefs win the game, but I think the Giants cover the spread. Benny, my birthday gift to you, I'm going to shower you in protection. Give me the (laughs) plus 10. (laughs) Oh, Denny. You got to tweet that out. I'm going to shower you in protection, Benny. Oh, you sure are, pal. Oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Go on. Whether you're getting in contact with the show, you can email us at the tune-up podcast at gmail.com. Two P's in there. You can follow us on all the social platforms at the tune-up HQ on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. And if there's something else on Trump's truth, we're there. No, just kidding. We're not there yet. <laughs> Um, and we never will be there or, or parlor. Um, if you want to follow the big man, he is at Benny Horowitz, one number one in your mind, number one in your heart, number one on Twitter. I am at Denny underscore Gallagher. Benny, you got anything else? Uh, a giant elk with horns just ran by my door. So I don't know what kind of omen that is for this episode, but it's something. Anyway, the show has ended. Go in peace. You've been listening to The Tune Up.